All right, I get to introduce the uh, speaker uh, for the moment. I've known the speaker for 31 years, I should say. And uh, I can vouch for the fact that she is, a, is magnificent. She happens to be uh, my wife. And uh, come on, let's give God a hand praise. I'm trying to get these. You got it? Yeah. So as I get ready to introduce her, uh, uh, we, we have Justin and Patrick who are going to come up with her uh, in the spirit of, of Mother Day uh, celebration. They're going to help share the scriptures. So in a few moments, they're going to come up. But can we celebrate these two young men here? Uh, you'll see them in just a minute. Uh, I said this at eight, and I meant it. I'm going to say it again uh, to her total embarrassment, but it's true that, uh, dear, uh, I regularly have said uh, how when I met you 31 years ago, you dramatically transformed my life. And that's true. But as I thought about this on yesterday, it struck me that every day, you changed my life. You helped to make me a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better follower of Jesus. When I'm preaching really, really good, that's you too. (laughs) And just a better human being. So I am so honored and blessed to be your husband. Jonathan and Lauren are extraordinarily blessed to be able to call you mom. And all of us are blessed to get ready to hear you as you bring a message. Celebrate my wife and Justin and Patrick as they come. Thank you, dear. Well, good morning, everyone. First, I just want to say thank you so much, Justin and Patrick, for standing here and for their parents for letting them come up. So our tradition here is that we all stand in honor of the the foremost authority in our lives, which is the word of God. And so whenever we read scripture before the message, we all stand. And it's just, we're going to do the same thing this week. The only difference is, um, instead of us reading the scripture or a pastor reading the scripture, we're going to have Patrick and Justin individually recite the scripture from memory. So it's really great. So if everyone would please rise. We're going to first start with the first scripture, and we'll have um, Patrick. Why don't you start off? Say your name, say how old you are, and then just say the scripture that you're going to recite. Uh, Hi, my name is Patrick. I am 11 years old, almost 12. (laughs) And I will be reciting Acts 1, verse 14. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Hi, my name is Justin. Um, I'm 10 years old. I'm going to be 11. And I'm reciting what Isaiah 40, verse 20. 8-31. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. 
He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Excellent, excellent, both of you. You can have a seat now. You may be seated. You may be seated. You know, we have a tradition um, in our family that every week before Lauren and I come to service, I give Lauren a scripture to recite in the morning. Um, And so when she first wakes up, I hand her a scripture. And then while she's getting ready, she memorizes it. And then it is her job on her way to service, when we're driving to service, to recite that scripture. And I just, you know, what's so important to me is that as a parent and as a mother, and it's appropriate on Mother's Day to talk about this just briefly, that, you know, they say that kids don't come with a book. You know, you don't know exactly what you're doing. But in truth, the richness of our faith is that our kids do come with a book. And that's the word of God. And if, if you think about it, and I think about Lauren, my, um, she recited the scripture, one of the scriptures this morning. She's 12, going to be 13. <laughs> and she, you know, when she is at school and she is, maybe some of the other kids are trying to get her to do something, break the rules or do something she's not supposed to do. I'm not there. What, what, what is her compass? But she's able to say no to that. How is she able to say no? How does she know what the right thing is? Because scripture says, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. And, you know, one, every once in a while, uh, my son Jonathan, who's in Boston, he may decide he wants to do something that feels like a stretch, a little bit beyond his skill set. And how does he know if he can muster up the strength to do that? And his friends may laugh and say, oh, no, you can't get that promotion. You're not ready for that. But then he can dig down deep and he can remember, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, you know, I think everybody goes through a time of um, trial and tribulation. Even our kids, our teenagers go through that. Even younger kids can get down and have a tough time. And maybe they're upset with me as a parent. You know, they don't want to come to me about something they're upset about. But they can always turn to the Lord and they can always go to one of my favorite scriptures, Psalms 46. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. And so I just encourage you that if you have the opportunity to instill that word into your kids, just give them a scripture to memorize. Always make them memorize. I'm so proud of these kids. I mean, I was fighting back tears listening because that word that's inside of them is going to always be there. And the Lord can call it up during just the right time when they need it. And so what a blessing that on Mother's Day, I get to hear our kids recite from memory the word of God. So I just want to say a happy Mother's Day to everyone. Um, I honor all the mothers who've already gone on 
and, and we're grieving the loss of mothers too. Um, so those who are here and those who have gone on, I, I honor all mothers and not just mothers, but aunts and, and cousins and big sisters and anyone who's had a role in nurturing a child. I just really wanna honor you today. And that's really a part of what, what I want to talk about today. I, I'm just going to give a testimony today. That's all. I'm just giving one of my testimonies um, about something that the Lord has done for me. And it took him several years because of um, some of the barriers that I put up. But the Lord actually has helped to transform me during this process and helped to bring me from being a babe in Christ to being moving towards maturity. So I will start with Mary because I think she's a great role model for this testimony I'm going to tell you about, something that happened to me. What I like about Mary, the mother of Jesus, is that we always see Mary saying yes. You know, if you think about the first time we saw Mary, Gabriel was talking to her and saying, you know, you're going to be the mother of God. You're going to give birth to, to Jesus. His kingdom will live forever. And she said, yes. She didn't understand it all. She was a virgin. But she said, yes. And if you follow Mary and you track her, she went from there to being a fugitive. Because remember, King Herod had a hit out on Jesus. And so she said yes to Jesus. Oh, I get to be mother of God. That sounds great. But oh my goodness, a fugitive? Giving birth to a baby in a barn? Um, you know, she, she even was at the foot of the cross when many of the disciples left. And she stood there and she bore witness to Jesus taking all of our sins, all the acts that I've committed years ago, all the acts of sin that I will ever commit, all the acts of sin that I commit now, he carried all of that on the cross. He bore our sin. He carried that for us. He actually died because he was innocent and he could be the only one to do that because he was innocent so he could atone for our sin. She as a mother, she bore witness to that. She bore witness to her son dying for us. And then beyond that, she got to see the resurrection. She kept saying yes. She kept saying yes through everything. And then the scripture that Patrick recited was really the last time we hear about Mary. And that's when Mary was part of the 120 that was in the upper room that gave birth to the new church that we are now all part of. That was all the same Mary. She said yes through the hard times. She said yes through the easy times. And what I want to share with you today is how in 2012, I challenged myself to be able to say yes in the hard times. And the story actually starts back in 2009 when I was living in, in the suburb of Boston. So I had gotten myself into this great routine where I would get up every morning for, for 30 minutes and I would run. I really love the process of running. I don't know if we have any runners in the house, but I love the process of running. Okay, you get out there. It's just you and the road. You, you just, you get the heart rate up. You're sweating. You get that runner's high at the end of 30 minutes. You feel that good piece of well-being. You start your day refreshed. You're eating better. You just feel great. 
This was my process. I knew that daily exercise or routine exercise really helped to extend lives, and I just loved this process. It felt great. It felt healthy. This was what I wanted. And then, in 2009, I was running around this pond like I do every single morning. I had had no accidents, no injuries, no problems. Everything was great. My plan was working. And then I came around the end of the bend, and I felt this. I heard the spirit of the Lord. I heard the Lord's voice, voice tell me, this time of running is coming to an end. Now, I was, my heart sunk. And you say, you know, why did her heart sink? Well, I told you how much I love running, but I also have heard God's voice before. And I know the sound of God's voice. When the Lord first started talking to me, I actually didn't understand it. He, it's a long story. You'd have to go through one of my other testimonies to hear how the Lord showed me his voice. But I knew God's voice. And I'll just stop right here for a minute to ask, how do you know when the Lord is speaking to you? How does the Lord speak to you? You know, in Job, we are told that God can speak to us through a variety of ways, directly, like he spoke to me. Sometimes you'll think you have an idea of something you want to do, and you think, is this from God? I'm not sure. You open the Bible, and bam, the scriptures confirm exactly what was in your mind. Sometimes a complete stranger or wise counsel, a believer, will come to you and say, you know, have you ever thought about writing a book? And you had already been thinking about writing a book. So we know how the Lord can speak to us through people, through scripture, and directly. I wonder, I'm just challenging you. How does the Lord speak to you? Does the Lord speak to you? Can you hear the Lord speaking to you? Because in scripture it says that he stands at the door and knocks. And all you have to do is open that door. And the word says that he will come in and he will fellowship with you. So he is standing at the door knocking, and I don't know if he can hear you, but I challenge you, put your fleece out there as we call it. Ask the Lord to show himself to you, not so that he can jump through your hoops, but so that you can jump through his hoops, so that you can see what his will is for your life. Because we know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says, he has a plan for our future, a plan to give us a hope and a future. How... How is he going to do that if he doesn't have fellowship and communion with you? So I challenge you as you leave here, think about ways that you can allow the Lord to speak before you read the scripture. Lord, speak to me. What do you want me to do? I'm open to you. I'm willing to walk and say yes to you. Walk in your path. Okay, so I knew I had heard the Lord's voice. And I knew I heard the Lord's voice because the Lord has spoken to me before. If you've heard some of my other testimonies, you know that when I was on the flight at 17 years old, flying in the air toward from San Francisco to Louisiana on my way to college, undergrad, the Lord spoke to me and told me that I would meet my husband on the first day of college. Guess what? I met Pastor Herman on the very first day of college. And we have been together ever since that time. Wow. Some years later, the Lord spoke directly to me. I was a graduate assistant finishing my master's degree in education 
at the University of Arkansas teaching freshmen English, grammar, and writing, loving my job. Great, I loved it, just like I loved running. And I heard the voice of the Lord tell me, quit my job, do your pre um, prerequisites so that you can become a physician. Guess what? I quit my job, I did the medical prerequisites, and in 1999, I started practicing medicine. So I know I hear the voice of God. Why he chooses to speak to me directly, I do not know. I don't know. And I've asked the Lord, please don't show up. Like, I don't want to see any apparitions or anything. <laughs> it's already hard enough to just hear the voice. It's very scary to me. But at any rate, back to this testimony. I'm running around the pond, and I hear the voice of the Lord, and my heart sinks. And you know what? I go into frustration and bitterness and resentment and pouting and complaining, complaining mode. Because why would the Lord take away my running? I love running. It's great. It feels great. It's healthy. Why would you do this? And I'm standing there thinking, why would you take this away? And then I just said, forget it. I'm not... I'm just going to run anyway. I don't have to listen to this. I feel great. So the next day, I go through my regular routine. I put on my same very expensive high art shoes that work for me. I put on my workout gear, and I go out to that pond, and I get out like I always do. And I didn't even make it a block. Amazing. Both knees just started aching. I couldn't even go a block. Yesterday I had gone for 30 minutes. So I still couldn't believe it. But you know what? I decided that I was going to keep fighting. I wanted to get to the bottom of what happened. So I went, I saw my primary care doctor. I went to not only one, but two orthopedic surgeons. We were in Boston, so I went to Boston University, saw one of theirs. He just looked at my MRI and shook his head. Then I said, forget this guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I go to the next one. I said, this time we're going to Harvard. And I went to a Harvard top orthopedic surgeon. He did the exact same thing. He says, I don't even know how you're running on these knees. You can't run anymore. You need knee replacements in both knees. Mind you, I was 39 years old. 39, I had just finished running for 30 minutes, no pain. And then all of a sudden, just like that. And you know what? You may not have knee pain, but I bet you, if I were to question you deeply, there have been times in your life where everything is going hunky-dory, everything is perfect, you have these great plans, and then all of a sudden, that lump turns into something. That spot is not just a spot. You have diabetes. Someone dies. A child that's supposed to be born, has, there's a miscarriage. Your child doesn't get into the college that you've worked so hard for. You have a plan, and that plan fails. Whatever that plan is, that relationship that you worked years for fails. And your heart is broken, and you don't understand. You've done everything right. You're doing the right thing, and yet my knees gave out on me. This was a very hard time for me because just like Mary, oh yes, she said yes when she said you're going to be, you know, you are highly favored among God. You're going to be the mother of, of Jesus whose kingdom will never end. Yes, 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 I'll say yes to that. 
But boy, when you're at the foot of the cross and you're watching your son die, that's when it's hard to say yes. And so I went through two years of not accepting the no. Two years. And I, and I know some people who are like this. The Lord, the circumstances have allowed that your relationship with someone is over. Two years later, you're still sending text messages, Facebooking, trying to get in, you're trying to find a way. That job that you really want, the door slams shut. You're trying to go through a back door. Let me get another degree. I can get it this way. The answer is no, no, and no, and you keep trying. And I had to actually grieve the loss of being able to run. I had to actually say, I can't do it my way. I can't do it my way. For some reason, I don't understand, God said no. But I do know this. Now, this is where the word comes in. This is why it's great to be a follower of Christ, that when you come into these situations, it's wonderful to be a follower of Christ. Because this is what I do know. I didn't understand why I couldn't run. I certainly didn't understand how I ran for 30 minutes for three years every day with no problem. And then one day, just like that, I couldn't run. My knees hurt. I couldn't understand it from a logical perspective. But this is something I did understand. God said, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, and I certainly do, and are called according to his purposes. And those of us who love him, we are. So I did understand that. I knew I was called by God. I knew that I loved the Lord. So somehow, me running, me not being able to run was for my good. And that's where it's hard. When you cannot logically, boy, how much arrogance do I have? How much arrogance do I have to think that I'm supposed to be able to understand all the ways of the Lord, all the ins and outs of what the Lord is doing in my life? That's just plain arrogance. No, I don't understand, Lord, why I can't run. You may say, Lord, I don't understand why I can't have this mate. I don't understand why this is happening to my child. The sickness has come upon my child. I don't understand it. But I do know this. You said that all things. You're going to make everything in my life. You're going to take whatever tragedy, whatever wonderful celebration, you're going to turn that into something good no matter what. So this is what I decided to do. I said, okay, I'm going to stop being a babe, a baby in Christ. I'm going to start moving towards maturity. I want to be more like Mary and say yes no matter what. I want to be transformed. Why do I have to be a babe in Christ? No. It's tired of drinking milk. It's time to eat bread and meat as a Christian. And I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take up another sport. And I'm going to choose biking because biking is low impact and it's easier on the knees. And not only am I going to do that, but I'm going to do it with gusto. You know how when you're doing something that you want to do, you'll go through back doors, you'll get up early. You know, you always have time to do what you want to do. It's just like if you're in a relationship and someone says, oh, I don't have time to, to have a date with you. That's baloney. You always have time to have a date with someone who you want to have a date with. Right? You, you can always figure it out. But if it's, 
If it's their idea, oh no, it has to fit into the second Tuesday after lunch, such as, you know, all of these parameters. So I decided I was going to become a bike rider like I became a runner. This is the main point of my testimony. Can you embrace God's plan the same way you embrace your own plan? Can you be as vigorous, as persevering, doing it God's way as you are doing it your way? And that's what I decided. So I got a bike. Okay, so we live in Palo Alto, a little apartment in Palo Alto, and I work at the VA Palo Alto. And it's about an 18-minute bike ride from my house to the hospital. So I decided I'm going to ride my bike to work every day. And so I rode my bike, and in the path to work, you get to the foot of this hill called Hanover Street. Hanover Street is a hill that goes up about three blocks, right there in Palo Alto, leading towards the VA. You have a choice when you get to Hanover Street. You can either go up the hill, that's me challenging myself. That's me going bonkers for Jesus. That's me taking on a different plan. Or you could take the easy route. The easy route is going off to the left, nice little bike path with trees, and you know, it's just a little tiny incline, easy. Easy, easy. No sweating, no challenge, easy. And when I got to the foot of that hill, I said, you know what, Lord? No, I'm not taking the easy way. I'm going to bike like I ran. And so I got to the foot of that Hanover Hill, and I started biking up that hill. And you know what? I started quoting that same scripture that Justin quoted for us. Just like Justin, I was saying, Lord, even youth get weary. Even young men fall in exhaustion. But you know what? If I wait on you, you will renew my strength. And I would just keep pedaling up that hill and pedaling up that hill. And you know what I noticed is that when I tried to pedal up the hill, because, you know, when you pedal a bike, you have to bend that knee. And that bending of the knee was irritating me. So what I did was, and this is what you do when you are determined to do God's plan. You don't say, oh, my knee hurts and that's it. No, I lifted the seat up. And I lifted the seat up enough so that I didn't have to bend my knee that much. And I got right back at the foot of Hanover Hill. And I said, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And all things are possible with God. And I started going up that hill. And everything was great. I was feeling good. I'm going to live out God's plan. And then here comes some 30-year-old. <laughs> Passes by me, lickety-split. Like, I'm not even moving. I mean, he had muscles everywhere. He had on his Speedos. And, you know, he had his bike with all these gears on it. And I was like, wow. All of a sudden, my contentment with where I was, all of a sudden, I felt like I wasn't doing anything. Well, how come he's going faster than me? He doesn't even look like he's hard, hardly working. Look how much I'm panting. And that's how we do it. That is exactly how we do it. Why did this person get a husband and I didn't get a husband? Why do they have a Mercedes and I have a Toyota? Why did they get the $3 million house and I have the $2 million house? Whatever it is, whether you, make, whether you have a $3 million house and you're looking for the $4 million, or you have you know, a $50 shack looking for the $100 one. You're, it's so easy. That's how Satan does things. He puts these 
comparisons and keeps your eye off your hand over heel. You know, the scripture says that God has, you know, we should run with perseverance the race God has set for us. Not somebody else's race, our own race. And that's what I decided. I said, you know what, Lord? I don't know why Mr. 30-year-old gets to go fast. I don't understand it. But I'm going to take this 48-year-old body, and I'm going to work hand over heel. So that's what I did. So every day, I just kept on going up that hill, kept on going up that hill. And this is what happened. I had an amazing surprise at the top of Hanover Hill by week eight. This is what happened. I was in bed with my husband, and we were reading a book. He was reading a book. I was reading another one. And I said, babe, I don't feel any pain in my knees. See, what happened is, even though when I was running, I didn't have any pain when I ran, when I got home to go to sleep at night, I'd have like this aching at the top of my knees. Just a, a mild, nothing serious, just like a mild ache that I could almost ignore. But by eight weeks of riding my bike, no more pain. Okay, the next week, I'm babysitting my nephew Elijah. He goes towards um, an area in the field where there's a dog off leash. And any mother knows, if you see a kid in trouble, you forget you can't run, or you can't live something, you just start running. You know, it is in our nature to just protect. And so I ran. And Major Elijah was okay, but I had to run all the way across the field. I said, wait a minute, my knees don't hurt. Okay, let me tell you what happened. This, this is a transforming experience for me. Because really what this experience taught me is whatever situation you're in, whatever disappointment you are met with, say like Paul, learn to be content. Learn to be content doesn't mean, oh, don't try to better your situation. No, I'm not saying that. You do the best you can. And then, if you've done everything you know to do, and your situation can't improve, make lemons out of lemonade. Make it the best that you can make it. So this is what happened. This is how God, in all his wisdom, showed me that I don't know what I'm doing. Two doctors, Boston University, Harvard, me, my primary, none of us figured out what God, the creator of my body, knew. This is what happened. When I went and looked at the MRI with the two orthopedic surgeons, the most important thing they told me is that this big bone here, called the tibia, was resting directly on my kneecap, the patella, because there's no cartilage up under my patella. It's called chondromalacia stage four, meaning you have stage one, it's mild. Stage four, nothing. Okay, bone on bone. Not only that, I had arthritis in all three compartments of my knee. So based on that, there was nothing else they can do. However, however, there's a muscle at the bottom of the quadricep muscle called the vastus medialis oblique. We call it VMO. This muscle right here that I'm touching helps to lift the patella up off of the tibia if you don't have any cartilage. My VMO, based on my flat feet, the arch in my back, and the way I walk like this, my own, you see, God says run the race that he set for you. The race for me was different than the race for the 30-year-old. I needed to go up that hill with a bike with no gears, because if I had had gears like him, 
my VMO would not have been strengthened. If I had gone the easy way towards the bike path, it was flat, so I would just strengthen my upper quad, which was already strong. If I had tried to do another heel, I would have strengthened my hamstrings, which is already strong, because running gave me that. The only muscle that was limited was the VMO. And that heel, taking on God's plan and embracing God's plan, strengthened me, healed me. God is so good. God is awesome. So what I want to say is that once I decided to forget, grieve, say goodbye to my plan, I mean truly say goodbye. I thought I would never run again. This time was over, but it didn't mean it was completely over. I didn't know that. God had to heal me because I was hurting myself without knowing it. Many of you were in relationships. You're hurting yourself. You don't even know it. But God sees it. He sees that if you get in that relationship 10 years from now, you're going to be a battered wife. Or 10 years from now, she's going to take all your money, all that you've worked for. You just say, oh, I've lost this relationship. This is horrible. But God says, no, don't complain. Don't be resentful. Don't be bitter. I'm working for your good. And so God, even though I thought that my plan was good and it was healthy, it wasn't healthy. I was injuring myself further. And so all I had to do was follow God's word. Lean not, trust in the Lord, and lean not to your own understanding. Even if you're a doctor, even if you have a Harvard orthopedic surgeon telling you something, always trust God's plan. And if you do that, if you do that, all things are possible. If you do that, he will heal you of many diseases. If you do that, he will give you what he has for you. And so, today, like Mary, I'm saying yes. I'm learning to say yes. Lord, whatever the next thing is you bring to me, ooh, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, I'm going to try my best. It's hard. It's so hard. But I'm going to say yes to you, Lord. I'm going to say yes to you because your way is the best way. Amen. Amen.